So we're going through the book of Daniel, hoping to learn how to live in this world in our time with the heartbeat of a remnant, the way that Daniel did, the way that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did in their time during Israel's 70-year captivity in Babylon. Now, remember last week I told you that Israel's time in Egypt was a picture of how God delivered us from the world through Jesus Christ. Israel's time of captivity in Babylon is a picture of how God sustains us in the world through the power of the Holy Spirit. These four guys stayed the course there in Babylon. They kept the faith when so many around them caved under the pressures and under the expectations of King Nebuchadnezzar and the culture that he had created there in Babylon. So many compromised their faith in God. But these guys were a part of a small portion of people, a faithful remnant who said, we may face the furnace of fire, but we will never bow down. I want you to think about it. For someone to say that and then literally walk towards a flame that's so hot, it'll melt your face off before you even get to it. That's what it says in Daniel chapter 3. The furnace was so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego up to the fire. It killed them. We've all been to a bonfire, right? Raise your hand if you've been to a bonfire. What happens when you get too close to the bonfire? There's this odor. And it's too late before you realize that the odor is the smell of your eyebrows singeing right off of your face. There's nothing worse than the smell of hair burning off your own body. You know what I'm saying? How many of you grew up burning your trash in a burn barrel? Raise your hand. Oh, good. I'm glad to know that I'm not the only one. Whose genius idea was that, by the way? Not a great idea. Growing up, my job was to burn the trash, haul the trash out to the burn barrel, burn it, and get it going. Now, one time I'm burning the trash, I'm putting the first bag in, letting it burn down a little, then the second bag, letting it burn down a little bit, and then when I put that third bag in, all of a sudden, boom! And I was like, ah! And it exploded. And what had happened was there's this two liter bottle that exploded because it still had air in it. And the plastic came up and it hit me on the face. Now, fortunately, don't, oh, it's okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. I do appreciate your concern though. What a great family. Oh. Fortunately, I have fast reflexes and I, oh gosh. <laughs> anyway. Fortunately, I have fast reflexes and I was able to take it off my face, but I had, and I'm not even kidding, what looked like a number two on my face for a couple of weeks. For real. (laughs) Then we would know it was the devil, right? Listen, what were those three Jewish boys thinking? Like, where did they get the kind of resolve that would lead them to face that fire without fear. And then think about Daniel. What was he thinking? I mean, literally, what was he thinking when they were lowering him down into that lion's den? I know what I'd have been thinking. 
<laughs> Daniel refused to stop praying when they told him to stop praying. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to bow down to that idol. You know, I've always wondered if the person of persecution of the church that we see all around the world would make it to the nation that we live in, like it would it hit us in our lifetime. I think we all knew that it was possible, but now we know that it's possible, don't we? We know it's possible. It doesn't matter who you voted for, you've made enemies. It doesn't matter where you land on the COVID-19 protocol, you get blasted. And you can't have a personal opinion about something anymore. If you have a personal opinion about something, you're liable to get canceled. And not just by culture. We'll get canceled by our own community, our own friends, our own family. It's happening a lot. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when we face some sort of fire. It may not be a bonfire. It might just be a burn barrel. Okay, it might not be something that'll kill you. But it could be something as you're trying to take out the trash and burn it, get rid of it, dispose of it, that could blow up in your face and brand you. I have three sons, and I ask myself, will my three sons have the same resolve that these three boys had? Will my boys remain faithful to God? Will they be a faithful remnant when those days come? I mean, I pray that they will. I hope that they will. But they're going to have to make their own decisions. Just like your kids are going to have to make their own decisions. They will have a choice to make. God's will for their life or Satan's will for their life. You did know that there are two wills for your life, right? Oh, yeah. John 10, 10 makes it very, very clear. He tells us that there are two that are coming for you. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus says, but I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. The devil is a thief. He's a taker. One that's coming after you is a taker. The other is a giver. I've come that you may have life. The devil, the thief, is a taker. And he wants to lead you to death. What do we know? We know that the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Don't we know that? And you know what his favorite snack is, right? Daniel chapter 1 tells us. Let's look. Daniel chapter 1 says that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand along with some of the vessels of the house of God. And he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and he brought the vessels into the treasury of his God. And then he ordered Ashpenaz, the king, I'm sorry, the chief of his officials, to bring in some of the sons of Israel. Okay, the sons of Israel. You got to remember, Babylon is a type or a picture of the world. The ruler 
of Babylon came to, John 12, 31 says that the devil is the ruler of this world. John 10, 10 says that he comes to steal, kill, and destroy, only comes to. Nebuchadnezzar came to God's city, came to the city of God, and he took things from the house of God. And listen, he didn't just take certain things of God. He took certain children of God. Now, what does that tell us? It tells us that Satan's favorite food is our kids. Children that live in homes that serve God. You might remember Joshua chapter 24 where Joshua says everyone needs to choose this day whom they're going to serve. You can serve the God of this world. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I mean, isn't that what we declare over our family? Isn't that what we declare over our homes? Of course it is. Absolutely it is. Just by being here tonight, you're implying that the goal of your life is to go for God. Well, guess what? That immediately makes our kids a delectable snack for the devil. Automatically. Well, Pastor Tony, I think you might just be reading a little too far into this text here in Daniel chapter 1. Okay, let's keep reading. It says, Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, the chief of his officials, to bring in some of the sons of Israel, including some of the royal family. Peter says in 1 Peter 2.9 that Christians are a royal priesthood. He says, Bring in some of the sons of Israel, including some of the royal family and of the nobles. The apostle Paul says that the mind of every Christian is supposed to be on whatever is true, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is noble, whatever is excellent and praiseworthy, right? Philippians chapter four. Bring in some of the sons of Israel, youths in whom was no defect Guess where else that same Hebrew word for defect is used? When God tells Moses to tell the people, only those without defect, without blemish, can serve him in the priesthood. Again, Peter says that the children of God are a royal priesthood there in 1 Peter 2. The sons of Israel need to be good-looking, showing intelligence in every branch of wisdom, endowed with understanding and discerning with knowledge. This makes me think of Ephesians 1, 7, where the apostle Paul says that I pray that the Father of glory, I pray that the Father of glory may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him. This is what Father God gives his children. He gives them wisdom and knowledge, and understanding. The sons of God who had the ability to stand. Are y'all reading with me right along there in, in, in Daniel chapter 1? Sons of Israel goes on and says, who had the ability to stand in the king's court. In Jude chapter 1, it says, now him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, God's glory, blameless with great joy. Now think about this. Jude gets one 
book, really just one chapter in the Bible. Okay, if you turn to the book of Jude, Jude chapter 1 is like the only one there. It's just one book. Of all the things he could have written about, he could have been like John, talk a lot about love. He could have talked about how God's heart was to um, reach Israel or reach the Gentiles like Peter and Paul. He could have talked about all kinds of stuff. <laughs> and guess what he talks about? Shepherds who come in to steal virtue, to rob godly values from the children of God. And he says, don't worry. God is able to keep you from stumbling. He'll make you stand blameless without defect. But I hope you're getting this. Listen, uh, Satan targets Christian homes. Are you hearing that? Satan targets Christian homes. Satan targets our kids. The devil's desire is to devour every donut decorated with sprinkles. Listen. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. The devil is hungry. He's looking for someone to devour. Children are like donuts to the devil. Think about it. How many times in Scripture, you read the Old Testament, how many times in Scripture was the enemy coming after the children? Even in Jesus' day, in the New Testament, he came after Jesus, the children. But the devil doesn't just like donuts. He likes young people with sprinkles. In other words, he's going after the children from godly families. Godly families. Nebuchadnezzar didn't want just any kids. He wanted the ones from royal families. He wanted the ones with noble blood. He wanted the ones that were already filled with wisdom and knowledge and understanding. He wanted the best. He wanted the brightest because he knew, listen to me, if I can take a whole generation of young people and saturate them with the language and literature of the Babylonians, rewire their mind, reshape their values, rip away their virtue, not only will I have captured that generation, but their children and their grandchildren down to the third and fourth generation. Please tell me you see this dark agenda happening in our day, in our time. The direct assault on the minds and the values and the virtue of our children. Please tell me you see it. Yes. How many of you saw the Grammys where Cardi B and some girl named Megan the Stallion performed? Hopefully you didn't see it because it's the worst thing you will ever see. Complete trash. Listen. I don't know what young people are in here, but it was basically porn. It was 
pole dancing. It was so many other inappropriate things that I don't even feel comfortable saying in front of you. And you know I'll say anything. That tells you how bad it was. I mean, right? It's like, what wouldn't you say? Well, there's something I'm not going to say about what I saw when I watched that. And I didn't watch it live because I love watching the Grammys. I heard about it. I'm like, what? What? I want to know what happened. It's terrible. Here's what Entertainment Weekly said about it. While they may not have been able to be as nasty as they want to be with the CBS censors standing by, the two still got to perform their 2020 hit. It's interesting. I kind of trying to read about this, get the vibe, get the feel, because a lot of people are worked up and upset about it. It's interesting that there's an inter, in, uh, how do you say it? Instagram post of Cardi B watching her video, her performance of a song called WAP. I don't even want to tell you what WAP stands for. But all of a sudden her daughter comes running into the room and Cardi B's like, ah, la, 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 and turns it off. Didn't want her own daughter to see it, but she doesn't mind our daughters and sons seeing it. What the heck? I'm just saying. A couple of months ago, My little niece was over at our house playing with my daughter and they're just playing and some music came on, maybe something on a TV show or something they were watching and, and she started dancing and moving and twerking and gyrating and I was like, It was completely inappropriate. We're talking about somebody about this tall. I mean, now I know where she got it. I'm just trying to be real here and honest. There is a dark, insidious agenda going on. Nebuchadnezzar's, he, he told Ashpenaz, bring me the young ones. Bring me the ones with sprinkles. I'm going to build them up in the ways of our world. I'm going to get them to serve in my palace. Daniel and Shad, Rack, and Benny for all you VeggieTale fans. Listen, they weren't just donuts. They were donuts with sprinkles. Nebuchadnezzar wanted the ones with sprinkles. Now I'm about to tell you what Ashpenaz's main uh, name means. And I, I'm not even kidding. I, I had actually come up with this thing with donuts and sprinkles. It's just a funny way of saying that our kids are special. <laughs> you know, they got sprinkles. Just being silly. You guys know how sometimes I'm just playful when I preach. Decorated with sprinkles, donuts with sprinkles, donuts, but then Christian kids with sprinkles. I was just kidding. I was just playing around. I thought that'd be fun. And I'm doing some studying, and I look up Ashpenaz's name. I don't even know why I did it. I just did. Do you know what Ashpenaz's name means? I kid you not. 
I will make prominent the sprinkled. I know, right? When I saw that, I jumped out of my seat and I thought, ah, I wanted to yell at somebody. But I was alone. There was nobody to yell at. Is that not crazy? Listen to me. Satan's been around a long time. And if there's one thing he's learned, it's that in every generation, it's every generation is going to be led by somebody. Every generation will have someone prominently leading them. And whoever does will determine the course of a family. Whoever leads them will will determine the course of a a church, of a city, of an entire nation. So he focuses a lot of energy on stealing away godly values, godly virtues, and replacing them with his own. The very next thing that we read here in Daniel 1 is that Ashpenaz was ordered to teach these boys the language and the literature of the Chaldeans. And we're going to talk about that next week. You're going to be blown away at what that means and how similar it is. Identical to how the enemy's ripping the values and virtues away from our kids. So I do have some good news and I have some bad news. The bad news is Nebuchadnezzar's plan was highly successful. Nebuchadnezzar had the longest reign of any other ruler in the Neo-Babylonian Empire. Highly successful. In fact, he conquered some of the greatest nations around him with the exact same tactic that he used on Israel. Did the same thing with their kids. Highly successful. The good news is his plan wasn't 100% foolproof. Daniel chapter 1, look at verse 6. Now among them... From the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Then the commander of the officials assigned new names to them. To Daniel, he assigned the name of Belteshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach. And to Azariah, Abednego. I'm going to talk about that name change coming up too. Because that's a direct attack on the identity and destiny of a generation. Then at the end of the days... When the king had specified for presenting them, he, the commander of the officials presented them before Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, talked with them all. And out of them all, not one was found like Daniel and Hananiah and Mishael and Azariah. So they entered the king's personal service. As for every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king consulted them, he found them ten times better than all the magi- uh, magicians, not the magicians. <laughs> found them better than all the magicians and conjurers who were in his realm. Remember, we just said his realm was big. So that's a lot of conjurers, a lot of musicians and magicians. I just can't get this magician's things right tonight. That's a lot of people. He found them ten times better than them all. These four boys. And we know that not only did these guys not bow down during their time, their impact and their legacy has lasted way longer than three or four generations. We're here tonight studying it, being encouraged by it. Amen? Amen. Why? Why did they have such an impact and leave such a legacy because they were not only sprinkled donuts. 
They were like cream-filled eclairs. <laughs> they were filled with something that none of the other boys were filled with. You know, in Daniel chapter 6, it says that Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. These guys didn't just have noble blood. They were noble-minded. And believe me, there's a big difference. You know, you can be a believer, you can be a Christian and not have the mind of Christ, like it says we should, 1 Corinthians 2. You can be a Christian and not have the mind of Christ. You can live a, in a home and not have some of the values or walk in some of the virtues that are being passed down by those who are prominent in a home. It's usually the mom or dad. In the community setting, church setting, that's going to be pastor, church leaders, Sunday school teachers, life group leaders, whoever, whatever. The right values and virtues, when we adopt those, adapt those, install those, can literally shift the culture of a home. If you've been wanting to shift the culture of your home, seek out some godly values. Get back to godly virtues. That's a great place to start. We talked about that last week, promoting and protecting your family's culture. The Apostle Paul knew this, and this is why he wraps up the letter of Philippians by saying whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is just, whatever is pure, lovely, of good report, if there's any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Meditate on these. That means to chew on it over and over and over. Get it inside of you. How many of you know what virtue means? What is virtue? Virtue is an excellent train of thought. It's an excellent train of thought. These four Jewish boys, somewhere between 13 and 17 years old, most scholars believe. So they were moldable. They were impressionable. And again, they were found to be 10 times better than all the other boys. You can't tell me that is not directly connected to their ability to face death without fear. They were noble-minded. They knew their mind. They were noble-minded, and that stuff did not scare them. I'm not going to eat the food, offer it up to idols, Right? I'm not going to bow down to this weird-looking image that you're telling me to bow down to. I'm not going to stop praying just because you want me to stop praying, just because you tell me to stop praying. I'm not going to stop praying. <laughs> Think about how you would have responded. If you were one of these guys told to stop praying, hey, you can't pray, or hey, you need to eat these items of food that were previously offered up to idols, or bow down to this crazy golden image that's really, really, really tall. Show your allegiance to Babylon, to Nebuchadnezzar, to this leader. What would you have done? Would you have stayed there standing in the middle of a massive crowd? Yeah, I'm not going to do that. It's a valid question, I think. What would you have done? How will you respond when you come under persecution? 
Maybe it's a day when you're told, deny your faith or lose your life. How are you going to respond? How would we want our kids to respond? We'd want them to pro proclaim Christ, right? Isn't that what we want our kids to do? I'm not bowing down. I'd rather not eat that. I'm not going to stop praying. Even if they were faced with a furnace of fire, we would want them to proclaim Jesus, wouldn't we? We would want them to have the same immovable conviction that these four boys did. But I want you to listen to me. You want your kids to overcome on a day like that? You better make sure they have a noble mind. You want them to overcome? You want them to stand firm? It starts in their mind. Help them have a noble mind. So here's what I want to give you as quickly as I can. And listen, you may be here. I get it. You don't, you don't even have kids. You're like, I am a kid. <laughs> you know, I don't have kids. You're married. You don't have kids yet. Maybe you are an empty nester and your kids are out of the house. And so, you, you know, other than praying for them and encouraging them the best you can, that's just not part of your influence that way anymore. This still applies to you. Maybe you want to be someone who overcomes on that type of day, a day of persecution. What I want to do is I want to give you 10 virtues of a noble-minded overcomer. Okay, write these down. 10 virtues of a noble-minded overcomer. If you need a simpler way to write that, how to put sprinkles on your donuts. Number one. Number one virtue, humility. Humility. Teach your kids humility. Let's teach our kids how to value others above ourselves and call out behavior that is rooted in pride. Humility. Respect. Let's teach our kids how to honor their elders and peers by interacting with kindness and call out every ill-mannered behavior. Respect. When I was a kid, my parents had these books called the value of books. And so once a month, a new book would come in and there was, I don't remember how many, 20, 20 something books. I think my parents would say there's a lot of things they could have done better. A lot of things that they um, failed at. But if I could affirm them, this is one of the things that they did right. <laughs> By buying me the value of books. They had different characters. The books were about different characters. Abraham Lincoln and Cochise and Sacagawea and Johnny Appleseed, Mary Curry. I mean, all these people. And each one, they promoted a specific value. And I remember Abraham Lincoln. His was about respect. Loved those books. I guess my parents thought I needed them. That boy has no values, no respect, no honesty, no, all of them. So they bought those books. Humility, respect. Here's another one. Patience. Let's teach our kids the value of waiting and call out whining about getting what they want when they want it. Here's another great 
value, virtue of a noble-minded overcomer, forgiveness. Let's teach our kids that holding on to grudges harms us more than it does our offender. And call out any unwillingness to extend grace. Compassion. Let's teach our kids how to help and encourage those who are hurting and called out, uh, call out judgmental behaviors that keep them from reacting with love. It's called compassion. Compassion is something we can teach our kids. Diligence. Let's teach our kids to treat every task as an opportunity to please God. And call out every form of laziness and negativity towards hard work. It's awfully quiet in here. I, I know these are hard. It's hard to do this. If you're parents, you're like, oh, are you kidding me? I can't do that. This is hard to do. <laughs> listen, it's a lot e- listen to me, parents. It's a lot easier to do. When you commit to that place of prominence in their life, You stop trying to be their friend and be their parent. Be that prominent leader in their life. We are the prominent leaders, influencers in their lives. Our job is to help them. Help them become virtuous people and prominent influencers. Isn't that right? Absolutely. Think about Ashpenaz and his role in these four boys' life. That was a distortion of our role. It's exactly what that was. To make prominent the sprinkled? No, that's my job. I know my kids are sprinkled. I'm going to make them prominent. I'm going to make them cream-filled eclairs. It's my role. The whole Ashpenaz thing is a distortion. They were stolen from their parents. Given to Nebuchadnezzar, raised by Ashpenaz. The enemy is stealing our kids from us. Are you here with me tonight, saints? Contentment. Let's teach our kids how to have peace and joy when life is not exactly how we hoped it would be and call them out when they complain about their situation. (coughs) Honesty. Let's teach our kids to tell the truth even when it hurts, and to call out every type of deceptive behavior. Generosity. Let's teach our kids to freely give of themselves and their treasures and call out stingy and selfish behavior. (laughs) Right? Can't we do that? I know that's yours, buddy, but can you share? No. Oh, yes, you can. What? <laughs> right. <laughs> you may be thinking, Pastor Tony, that's cruel. Let me tell you what's cruel. Being led to a furnace of fire 
because you wouldn't bow down to tyranny. That's what's cruel. There's a lot of cruelty going on in this world right now. To young and old, we're trying to help our kids have noble minds so that the crueler the world becomes, the taller we stand. Just saying. I saved the best for last because we all need this one right now. And that's courage. Everybody say the word courage. courage. Let's teach our kids to face their fears head on and call them out when they're letting their emotions rule their decisions. Courage is a virtue. Did you know that? It's not a personality trait. You might can get a little courage from nature, I suppose. But you know where courage comes from? Nurture. Courage is nurtured into your head, into your heart. Courage is something that someone learns. That's why we're told in 2 Timothy 1, God gave us a spirit, not of fear. He didn't give us a spirit of fear, timidity, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Amen, saints? The world is promoting fear right now. If you were to nail down one thing the enemy is promoting, there's all kinds of things that are happening. What's the, what's the centerpiece? Where, what's the funnel? Fear. Why? Because you get people afraid and you can control them. The world's promoting, promoting fear. And I, I got to just say it. We're doing a pretty good job of letting the world promote it's fear. And it's affecting the way people are making decisions and running their life. Can I ask you this? I mean, really, at the end of the day, what's there to be afraid of? What's there to be afraid of? You tell me. What's one thing going on in this world that we're being told is scary that we're really, we really should be afraid of? Really? I'm just saying. I have been born again. The spirit of the living God lives in me and has given me so much, including a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. If, if for any reason I find myself absent from this body, it means that in a moment I am present with the Lord. I mean, that's what scripture tells me. Psalm 27 verse 1, the Lord is my light in my salvation, whom, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? <clears throat> I want us to stand. And we haven't done this in a long time because of COVID-19, but we're doing it tonight. I want you to join hands across this auditorium. Find someone to hold hands with. If it's possible that everyone is joining hands, that would be great. I mean, you know what I mean, like in rows or whatever. I guess we could do a train of some sort. Oh, my goodness. This is, this is such a beautiful scene. Where's my phone? I got to get this. 
I promise I won't post this. No, some people might not like that. Some people are like, I don't want to be exposed. I don't want people to know I go to church. You guys, weekly, I'm going to let my phone boot back up. Weekly, it's just getting weirder and weirder and weirder. I mean, you're just like, what? I mean, it's like we want to just grab our kids and move to the moon. Am I right? It's weird. I'm stalling because my phone's booting up. (laughs) But things are weird. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? Remember that one? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I fear? Sing it again. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? We should be singing that over ourselves every day. If I could come home with you and sing it over you. No. <laughs> Is this a better phone? You don't like my, my, my five? My iPhone five? What you got against my five? What is this? A 20? All right. How do you do this? Oh, Panoram? Hey, what? You're holding hands. That's good for you. Think of all the germs that you're helping. All right. I love this. Oh, my goodness. Do you see what I see? There are these beams of light. I cannot wait for y'all to see this. I'm not even kidding. I'm like, what is that? Is it an effect? I'm serious. There are beams. Oh, it's from those lights. (laughs) Whatever. Let me check the picture. Make sure it was a good one. I'm like, Jesus. Oh, this is so cool. Oh, wait. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) No. I hope you hear my heart tonight. Do you hear my heart? We can do better. Daniel did better. Daniel ended up leading all the, all the magi, the magicians. Daniel studied the prophets, jotted some things down. You guys remember the Christmas story when the Magi was like, what is that? And they came and found Jesus. You know whose writings they were probably studying? Daniel's. Daniel turned out okay, and he decided not to eat the stuff. We're going to be okay. But we'll only be okay if we decide, I'm going to be noble-minded and not eat the stuff. I'm not going to bow down to the tyranny. I'm going to pray. I'm going to worship. I'm going to gather. I'm going to trust God. I'm not going to be dumb. I'm not going to be belligerent. I'm not going to be ungodly. That's not what I'm saying. 
I'm just saying I'm not going to operate out of a spirit of fear, but I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to fill me up and take part of some of that love and power and a sound mind. Amen? Amen. Okay, let's pray before y'all's hands start getting too sweaty. <laughs> Lord, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. And we ask that you would fill us fresh tonight. We trust you. We trust that you will always be with us. We may face trials and tribulations in this life. We will see trouble, feel trouble, know trouble. But you told us you will be with us until the end of the age. There will never be a step that we take that you aren't there leading us, watching over us, protecting us. If the way you lead us is directly home, we're okay with that. If it means that we have to be identified with you for a little longer through pain and suffering, we're okay with that too. God, what an honor. Empower us tonight to be noble-minded overcomers. I pray for the parents in this room. I pray that they would become the most prominent people in their kid's life. In this list of virtue and the many more that could be added to that list, they would instill deeply into the hearts and minds of their kids. Thank you, Jesus, for tonight. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit, for your presence. Thank you for the people who are holding hands, committed to walk this thing out. Thank you for all of these things. We pray, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. amen. You may release.